Welcome to Mental Health Matters Podcast. I'm Hillary Coughlin. And I'm Christina Anavi. We're both mental health clinicians and health coaches coming together to talk all things mental health and wellness. Our mission is to destigmatize the topic of mental health by talking about real life relatable experiences and hardships that people go through every day but may struggle to talk about. This is a place where we dig deep, get real, and empower you to get through life's challenges. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mental Health Matters podcast. We have episode 19 today, and we're talking about depression. So we're going to go over some of the symptoms that might manifest for you when you're feeling depressed and when you may want to seek out help, some different resources and places to go for that. I think um, this is a good topic for us to discuss in the winter. I mean, we're here in New England and we experience a lot of seasonal depression. Um, There are many reasons for that. You know, I think we've talked a little bit in the past um, on this, but I know for many people, it's the shorter days, the less less things to do in the wintertime um, with the cold weather and the snow, um, less vitamin D, less sunlight. Um, what else? <laughs> Not a lot of like, we're after like the holiday season too. So I feel like that's a lot. Uh, that's an adjustment for people too, coming out of the holidays. So it's just, we're getting to this weird phase before spring and it can be really challenging for a lot of people. So I think it's a good time to be talking about this. Right, it's kind of a quiet time of year. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots before it and lots after it, so. Right. Yeah, so how would depression sort of manifest or what would it look like and sort of the average person who's feeling or wondering how they're feeling and if it's if it's quote-unquote normal yeah I mean depression isn't normal right in the sense of yes people experience low moods occasionally but to be clinically depressed it has to affect your overall functioning it has to get in the way of your life and so that, that isn't normal. And so today, you know, we're going to be talking about some different symptoms and signs to look out for. Um, but I think most notably, it's that feeling of sadness, that, that feeling of emptiness and hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you might in every day, maybe that shows up as like a negative attitude or just not ever being able to like see a silver lining you know, and your basic functioning, sort of uh, not being able to function as well as you used to. So maybe missing work or school, whatever you have going on, you're mm-hmm. you're sleeping in, or or maybe it's the opposite. You have insomnia and you're not really able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with eating; your appetite can decrease or increase. So it can be a little bit confusing, I think, for people because it can go to either extreme and it really just just depends on how it comes out for you yeah and even with 
the the moods um a common one is just airing anger and irritability which people might not often associate with depression um but if you think about it it makes sense because you're again it's like that constant negativity but then also you're not really enjoying things that you used to enjoy so your maybe your old outlets of your hobbies and your interests or socializing you're not really interested or you're not really desiring those things anymore and so if you don't have an outlet and an escape sure you're going to be more irritable right your fuse is going to be a lot shorter it's almost like you disengage mm, yeah and with that you know you're isolating too a lot of the time how does it um show up for people in the body i think you could speak on this as a wellness coach right so it does show up i mean again differently like with with everybody right so this is always a broad understanding or you know explanation we should say but typically it shows up as like aches and pains sometimes. So you can be, you can have like tension in your shoulders or your neck, um, some stomach stuff, perhaps through anxiety and depression, you can have sort of that, that like stomach pain or emptiness and stomach aches feeling. You can feel shaky. You have like some shakes going on and that also will be correlated to sleep and appetite. So if you're not eating enough, you're not sleeping enough, your shakiness is going to be even worse. So, I mean, yeah, it can show up in all different ways, but you will absolutely feel it in your body. Yeah. So, and, and we mentioned the anxiety piece too, uh, with depression, there's a lot of comorbid other things that are going on usually usually it's not just one thing or the other when it comes to mental health um, with depression there's a lot of other comorbid diagnoses or issues that could be at play and anxiety is anxiety and depression go hand in hand I would say they're they're best friends in that way <laughs> yeah they're kind of a cycle <laughs> yes yeah um on the ex more extreme side, you will, you might experience suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, um, and even self-harm. So with suicidal thoughts, it's not necessarily that the person is going to act on them or necessarily wants to end their life, but they want their suffering to go away. And the hopelessness is really at play there where they don't feel that there's a way out of their current situation, or maybe they just can't see beyond, you know, what's in front of them and what they're currently going through. And so suicidal thoughts are probably more common than people talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and self-harm too. I mean, there's definitely different levels to that. There's different ways that people engage with that. Um, but if someone is experiencing suicidal thoughts and 
they have a plan, they have a means, they have the intent, and there's nothing that anybody can say or do to to change that, then that would definitely be grounds for going to see a professional, getting hospitalized. Safety is number one priority, and that's always what we as therapists are going to to um, reinforce is is safety. Um, but you know, I, I mentioned to my clients all the time that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you're going to act on it. And so it's better to talk about it than not talk about it. You know, don't be afraid that if you disclose to your therapist that you're having suicidal thoughts, that that means you're suicidal, right? And you need to be hospitalized because that could be scary. That's not the case. It's It's more of a matter of you have the means, you have the plan. Are you going to act on it? And is there anything that anyone can say or do to talk you out of that? And if not, then yes, go to a hospital, you know, get, get checked out. Right. Yeah. It's important to seek out professional help when you have suicidal ideation so that they can do a professional assessment of you mm-hmm. and see where you're at on the scale, because you may not even know, because you're probably not thinking in the most clearest way. So it's, it's really important to have someone assess you and for them to ask all those important questions. And then you can get clear on what level of help you may need. Depression can come and go in waves. I know for myself, when I was clinically depressed, when I was very young, uh, I met criteria for major depressive disorder, Um, but it didn't last forever. And over time, it shifted into more of a diagnosis that I feel, I personally feel like is very underused, and that's dysthymia. Dysthymia is more of a chronic low mood. It's like, I I always describe it as it feels like there's a constant cloud over your head that you just can't shake. And you're just kind of like, it's difficult for you to feel joy all the time or consistently it's more of just like a chronic consistent meh kind of feeling so I feel like more often than not people experience that versus a major depressive episode which which is more episodic and it is more severe um so often you know I will discuss this dysthymia or persistent depressive disorder with with clients, um, because it is more common than people think. And that might just be making an adjustment in your life, right? Like that Mm -hmm. might just be talking that through with someone and figuring out how you can bring more joy into your life, more balance, you know, life is stressful and there's a lot of, you know, juggling that people do. And sometimes we can lose sight of, of the blessings, you know, and the positives and, you know, what life is all about. And sometimes we just need to readjust. Yeah, I think it's, it's tough. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I feel like there's more of a stigma around depression than there is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Why do you think that is? I think, I don't, I think there's, um, 
a little bit of a feeling for people that they don't want to be the the quote unquote like negative Nelly, right? Mm-hmm. Like people don't you don't want to bring people down, and other people don't want to. They don't know how to help. Um, they just say like, oh, it'll get better. You're, you're fine. Or I think you know things are minimized a lot with depression with people because they don't always understand the severity of someone's situation. We don't. We just don't know what people are going through all the time. So. I think that there's like this cycle of feeling people are feeling helpless, wanting to help the people in their lives, but they don't know how. And then the person feeling the depression doesn't want to be a burden. I think all of those are are very major points. And this idea of we don't know what people are going through. Depression can have a happy face, right? We see this with celebrities all the time people of celebrities who have committed suicide of or rather I should say death by suicide um that nobody would have assumed nobody would have guessed that they had depression because it doesn't look like you know it it doesn't present itself always as um you know, somebody who can't get out of bed in the morning and who doesn't take care of themselves or who doesn't practice good hygiene, right? Like, I, I mean, again, I'm thinking of myself when I was younger as a very high achieving student and I had friends and, you know, presented well, mm-hmm. uh, but behind the scenes, I was really suffering and nobody nobody would guess and like people who know me personally know my story um but nobody would guess that I had depression and at one point I did have suicidal thoughts like and that's just so sad right it's so tough that people don't feel comfortable because you're right they don't want to be the negative Nancy they don't want to be the downer Debbie Downer all these names um whereas you don't have those names for like there's no negative correlation with anxiety really we we look at it like like it's not that bad right almost like it's like well everybody has anxiety (laughs) you know everyone feels like right I and that's right I think it's because we 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 use stress and anxiety interchangeably and everybody experiences stress and everybody, everybody can commiserate and and they get it. But depression is different in that way. If people don't want to talk about what's bothering them, they don't want to complain. They don't want to bring people down. They don't want to be a burden, like you said. So it's more closeted and people aren't talking about it. And even anxiety can sometimes be used in a productive way if it's like controlled, right? So Mm -hmm. some anxiety in our life is actually, it can be a positive or something to use for productivity. Um, You know, sometimes we get anxious because we have a big test or, you know, it can be more circumstantial. And so I think the the anxiety stuff is a little bit more just socially acceptable because we find it to be, we live in a society where we are productivity driven and that is like championed and looked at as success. And so I think anxiety has this correlation of it's okay. You have to kind of almost have that anxiety to be successful in today's world. Right. Right. That's very true. 
Yeah. So what are some, aside from therapy, which obviously we're always going to promote, <laughs> aside from therapy, what can people do to manage or reduce depression? Sure. So this is actually something I can say from a personal standpoint that I've done in the past is journaling in any kind of way. So journaling doesn't have to be the way that someone else does it. You can do it how you want to do it. The way that I have done it in the past is it's technically a gratitude journal where every day I'd start out by writing out what I was looking forward to that day, what I was grateful for, um, some key points. And then at the end of the day, which to be honest was a challenge because in the morning and at night. So sometimes this isn't always available to people, but if you can just give it like five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night and kind of return back to those positive thoughts and write out what, what happened that day, what was good, um, you know, some key points and something to look forward to, you know, those kind of things. So you can find those prompts online. You can create them yourself. You can also write out some affirmations for the day. There's all different ways to journal. Yeah, I, I like journaling. I, I often, um, I have clients who we, we identify as external processors. And so the way that they process information and kind of get clarity on things and get closure on things is by letting it out. And journaling can be a great way to, to do that rather than letting it all kind of dwell and fester in your mind. So I think that's especially good if you're, um, if you struggle with overthinking. And um, a lot of times with depression, it's about taking action despite motivation. So action precedes motivation in the sense of like, I don't want to take a shower. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do X, Y, Z. And I'm going to do it anyway, because I know that that is the only way that it's going to get me out of this feeling. Um, so creating a schedule, creating a routine, creating structure, going through the motions, faking it till you make it, it can, that can be really, really helpful because in the moment it can feel like really good to just stay in bed and watch TV and not talk to anybody, but that's not what's going to be helpful or useful for you to get out of that feeling. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because when you said that, I immediately thought, that's so right. Because it's almost like you sit there and think, oh, I'll do that when I feel better. Like when I, when mm -hmm. I have the energy, when I'm not as depressed. But it really is almost the opposite. It's almost the other way around where you really have to force yourself to do the thing first. And that's what's going to make you feel better. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and not striving for letting yourself be okay with doing whatever the bare minimum might be mm -hmm. of if all you can do that day is get out of bed and take a shower. Great. You know, if all you can do that day is get two meals in instead of three. Great you know, letting yourself be okay with just doing, you know, the necessities or the bare minimum. Yes, obviously you would like to be, be able to do more, 
But if you're striving for that and it's not realistic for where you're at, then you might get more discouraged. So just being gentle with yourself and also reminding yourself that just like happiness, you're not going to feel sad all the time. You know, it, we we're human beings who experience a full range of emotions and we're not meant to be happy all the time. Happiness is a transient emotion, just like sadness. So if you can recognize that it's not forever, it doesn't have to be forever and it won't be forever, that can help too. And depression makes most people isolate quite a bit. So one way to push yourself if you're feeling like you can do so is to go do something in public. And that might seem so hard in the moment, but even if you, like two examples just immediately come to mind. If you are a reader or you're using your computer, doing something on your computer, bringing that book or computer to a coffee shop and just sitting in the coffee shop around others, just to be in that, that like vibe, you know, like to pick up that, that vibe around being, you know, being around other people and you know, you might talk to somebody or, you know, just even the cashier, you know, starting small, right? And then another example is going to a class. So for me, as a lot of you know, I love to dance and that's what I do for exercise and also well-being. And it's my passion since I was little, but it also opens up like an avenue of meeting new people and talking to people and, you know, it just, it helps, right? So even when I don't want to, like there's plenty of times that I'm like, I don't really want to go to dance today. And then I like never regret going. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm around other people and that energy like feeds me, like feeds my soul and it gets in there. <laughs> and it really so many good things at once too. You're, you know, you're, you're moving, you're around other people, you're part of a community. Uh, so you're killing so many birds with one stone. Um, but you bring up a good point of community. That is huge. Like feeling connected. Um, doesn't even have, you know, we talk about connection a lot, but it doesn't even have to be relationships necessarily, but like if you're part of a community, a church, um, a class, a group of people, anything like that, a culture, right? Um, feeling connection can help with a you know feeling fulfillment and having purpose. And obviously, you know, we always talk about the holistic route of diet, nutrition, exercise, all that. I mean, sleep, obviously all of that's important. Um, uh, medication, you know, I think we've, we've definitely talked about medication before and how it shouldn't be stigmatized. It's, it is literally just a tool and a resource, just like anything else. And we have to look at it as that. Obviously, there's a lot of stigma around medication and people feel like it's just a band-aid and it's just a quick fix. Those things are not true, um, but it's really important to work with a professional to find something that's right for you. And it can take trial and error and it can be a frustrating process. And so having somebody, a med provider and a therapist is ideal. Absolutely. Because they're totally two different, you know, things with different goals and they really support and complement each other. 
And what Christina said is perfect about medications is that, you know, it's another tool. So it's not a hundred percent going to fix everything. You know, it's just, it's there to support you. And it's just another thing in your toolbox because it's going to take work, right? It's going to take work outside of yourself and within yourself as well. But, you know, taking a medication should help along with other coping skills and other strategies. Yeah. So we'll definitely have resources in the show notes for people. Um, you know, we, we, Hillary and I are very active on social media and we're always sharing resources and tips and free information. So definitely connect with us on social media. And um, I actually on my website have a, um, what is it? A, a guide, a mental health resource guide for New Hampshire specifically. It doesn't have everything on there, but it does have a lot of helpful information as far as like how to find a provider, some um, city, town specific community centers. And um, yeah, that's always for free available on my website for people to check out too. Nice. That's so helpful good that people know that that's there. Also, I want to plug in real quick, now that we're on the subject of medications, before we wrap up, Mm -hmm. that we will be having a nurse practitioner, a psych nurse practitioner on here for one of our April episodes. So make sure to check that out if you are interested in learning more about medications um, for different, you know, mental health um, and, you know, mental illnesses and such. So check that out when we release that in April so that you can learn more if you're thinking about if it's right for you and how that process might go. I think that's going to be so helpful for people and just kind of clearing some of the common myths around medication. So thank you for, uh, for reminding me and for letting everybody know to tune into that episode. Yeah. Yeah. As always guys, um, find us on Instagram. We have a new Instagram page Um, You can find us at Hillary and Christina and, you know, it's titled mental health podcast. You'll see us, you'll see our little photo there and make sure to engage with us, DM us, you know, let us know what you like, what you want more of. We always love to connect with our listeners. And definitely make sure to rate and subscribe so that we can get boosted up to the top of the search pages as there are some podcasts with our name so we want to we're the best so definitely <laughs> <laughs> let your friends and family know <laughs> send us to your friends <laughs> pass it along yep <laughs> as always though stay well everyone stay well guys